the old world is ending, and we have the opportunity to rethink everything. This is a show about the structural problems in our world and the real solutions that we have today to transition from an apocalyptic storm of war, scarcity, and ecological collapse into a collaborative and sustainable futuristic society that serves all life. You may think it's an impossible dream, but the alternative is an inevitable nightmare. We're your hosts, Zachary Marlowe, Matt Holton, and Amanda Smith. And together, when we can move past this economic absurdity to come together and actualize our collective potential to create something completely new, we are Moneyless Society. Strike. These are words that need to be ringing through the, the mouths of all the workers of the world right now. We need to, as workers, come together and tip the scales because business as usual is not working. Politics has failed us. All the institutions in our world that are supposed to protect us from the system itself have completely failed us. And especially right now in this pandemic, as working class people have been thrown onto the fucking grindstone to go into the line of fire of a deadly disease, to continue working, to continue this extractive, ridiculous system that is, is, is just completely antithetical to life, that doesn't care about life, that doesn't value humans, that has sarcastically, that's called workers' heroes and then not giving them hazard pay or, or even the basics to support themselves in this, in this horrible crisis where so many people have gotten poorer as so many people have gotten richer. So what do we do? You know, what can we do? We, we as workers, we as people in this world, we as, as human beings have so little option. I mean, we, we know that we can't just wait for politicians to come to their senses and fix things. We know that corporations are not going to develop a consciousness or a conscience to the, the suffering that they're causing, to the extraction and exploitation and the climate destruction that's going on in the world. Things are getting to the point where we have to say enough is enough, where the parents are too busy squabbling and fighting and the dependents, the children, the kids in the world, us, the people that uh, have hitherto been powerless need to, to rise up, come into our own power and say, okay, we're going we're to we're take control now because clearly you don't know what you're doing. That brings us to, the, to today's topic, and it's something I'm very uh, excited to talk about. I'm very uh, anxious to talk about. It's the, the general strike. It's the greatest tool in our toolkit, I think, to uh, massively change things, to tip the scales, to empower workers, to make actual demands in our society. So we are, are working today with a group called Labor Movement X that uh, I actually was I'm really excited that they reached out to us because I was on the verge of reaching out to them. I've seen their posts coming around. I've seen people posting about the need for a general strike and a strike that's coming. And uh, as as so many uh, as every day, more workers come out and just leave their place of employment, walk away from the uh, the plantation, so to speak, as more people uh, realize that the work that we're forced to do is indignified and that it's not even supporting us. You know, what, what's the point of giving all of our time and our life to a job that doesn't respect us, value us, that treats us like cattle for that won't even pay our bills? So we are uh, here today to talk about this this uh, move, this this strategy, this tactic of a general strike. So I, I, Amanda had some words as well that she wanted to sort of usher us into this conversation with, and then we'll uh, let our guests talk about their platform. As we know, the pandemic revealed the man behind the curtain, the brittle and antiquated bones of this system, which, though crumbling, is still clinging to its main goal, and that is to oppress us all, but none so much as the working class. Our guests today represent the sector of society who, as it's said, keeps the economy going. The people who sacrifice blood, sweat, and tears just to provide the rest of us with our luxuries and our necessities, but cruelly and ironically can't do the same for themselves. While they're serving you coffee, they're trying to figure out how they're going to pay rent in a market that's grossly unregulated. While they're flipping your burgers, they're trying to figure out how they're going to afford to pay the daycare bill at the end of the week. While they're trying to juggle a part-time job and college because they were told that college would guarantee them success and security, they're trying to figure out if they're going to starve before the semester's over. There is no reason for the nonsensicalness of the way this system is operating at this point. And our guests are here to shed some light on that. Why should the people that support us all be the ones left unsupported? Our guests are coming from a movement called October Strike. You may have seen it populate in many ways in many places, but more commonly as the General Strike. 
the aims and proposals of this movement are meant to help establish a more equitable workplace and a more equitable way of life overall. I personally am honored to be at the table having these discussions with these two guests because they are ladies at the forefront of today's labor movement. Historically, women have always been at the helm of labor movements, sticking their neck out there in order to make sure that not just themselves, but minorities in general are treated like humans, not expendables. And so I welcome our guest who we will be referring to as JJ and Rosie. What we are calling for is a national general strike across all of the United States. When you think of the word strike, you sort of think of uh, the smaller strikes that you see from smaller organizations, from smaller uh, unions, and from just uh, groups of different kinds of workers. But the difference here is the mass scale. The idea of this is to start, um, we're starting on October 15th, uh, which is very soon from now, and then to gradually get more support um, through several other events uh, to gather support from unions, from other smaller strikers, so that we can have more impact as a nation for a set of demands. And we have 10 demands now. Um, we started with four demands. And uh, like JJ said earlier, uh, people stood up and people did the research behind those, um, the documents. Uh, we actually made a transparency step earlier uh, in, oh, I shouldn't say the month anymore. I think that was September. But all of our documents are out completely to the open for anybody to uh, look at them. And that's every single document that we've ever made, ever. Uh, I think it was like 200 something. I converted over from Google Documents to CryptPad. We decided to stop working on Google Documents because, well, we're directly boycotting large companies. And so why should we be using Google? And so we moved on to CryptPad from there. Also with the t a general strike, it's not tailored to a particular industry. Um, we are asking people, regardless of industry, um, to participate. And we recognize that there will be people who cannot participate in a strike, who uh, have a essential job, like people who work in the medical field. So for people who work in those emergency cases, we are asking that they participate in ways that do not uh, endanger themselves, but can still uh, affect the market. Um, such as um, reducing the amount that they consume, like ending subscription services, um, not patroning large corporations and instead patroning businesses that are local to their area. Um, if they, out of necessity, need to patron a large service to find out where their employees are working and to learn how to support them either directly or through their local mutual aid funds and uh, mutual aid groups, um, we are also asking people to talk to their coworkers to to see what in what ways are their workplaces failing them, and to share that because I think what a lot of people forget is that the systematic issues that we are experiencing we are experiencing across the board in different ways, and I think the more people realize just how much everyone is being affected by that. It encourages more people to to want to do something about it. Uh, so, I mean, it sounds like this thing has it really not, the idea hasn't been out there. I mean, of course, the idea for a strike has been out there for a long time, but this particular movement, this labor movement uh, X with the flyers and everything you're talking about, this is something that developed pretty recently, it seems like, just within like the last couple months. And it seems like it's gotten, you know, a, a decent amount of traction pretty quickly. Um, and do you guys have any estimates as far as like how many people might actually go on strike? And um, and, and when is it exactly, to just just to make sure? Uh, yes, we, we had a... Uh petition, we've had multiple petitions, um, one of them specifically so that we could sort of gauge in engagement and how many people were interested. And last I looked at it, it was at, I believe, 19,000. I haven't looked at that particular petition, um, but that was sort of the, the thing that we're using to gauge metrics to see how many people had heard uh, about the strike. Uh, and this was the last I looked at it was in September. So I haven't had a chance to look at it. And the date for the strike itself is October 15th. Okay, so that's coming up here and just, we're recording on the 6th here, so it's just nine days away. Yes. Um, but this should be pretty interesting. The 19,000, is that a, a, for all across the United States? Um, yes. 
The entire campaign is U.S.-based, U.S.-oriented. We do have a lot of people who are not from the U.S. who have helped out or were interested in the message itself and want to do the same in their own countries. So even though this strike is for people in the U.S., um, we've had a lot of people who wanted to do similar actions internationally. It's a, It's been a beautiful thing. I think it's important to note that while uh, the number you came up with um, was through uh, some some tool you were using for gauging um, accurate estimates. Obviously, there's been strikes going on all over the country in the past few months anyway. So whether or not they actually know about the October strikes efforts, it's a thing and it's getting around and it's almost like a pseudo paradigm shift is happening right before our eyes. And I have to say, it's incredibly gratifying as someone who's been writing about um, a general strike since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, myself, I live in a, in a relatively small town that's right between big two metropolitan areas. And um, in the past week, I've seen three restaurants and a gas station closed down because of it. And I, I'm just like, really, this is happening? Oh my God. Because when I started writing super, like, super emotionally charged, abrasive articles about <laughs> it on my little dark website that nobody goes to, and I'm glad because uh, um, it's cringy. I never thought that I would see it come to fruition, and it is. So again, with the excitement thing, um, and and I think what you've just explained to us, uh, and, and I hope everyone else caught on, is a great deal of organization has went into this, and it has happened in such a short amount of time, which I think speaks to solidarity on a level that the United States, at least, has not experienced for such a benevolent cause, if ever. You know, you've got other places in the world like India and, and another um, another country I'm failing to remember now who just staged a strike as well. Um, I think uh, Australia, that there was a strike that recently, it either they either had a strike authorization vote or they are striking now. Right, right. So it's catching fire around the world. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and it's, it, there's no reason why America should be the last on, on board. You know, like, I really hope we're the ones that bring it home at this point. There's also a big difference between a wildcat strike and a planned strike is something that we've been really pushing. Um, there's different ways that you can strike. And this is a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Um, I'm, I'm the graphic design chair, and that's been my job since I first got involved with all of this. I, my background isn't in most of these things, but the amount of information that I've been learning from the research that we've been going through, a wildcat strike means that you get very angry about something and you say, that's it, we're striking, we're all walking out right now, or we're all walking out tomorrow and um, we're not even telling our boss about it. Um, it's dangerous because a lot of people lose their jobs through that sort of a strike. And the idea is to have something planned, to have something prepared, to protect, uh, to protect our workers, to protect our working class individuals. It's not a wildcat strike. It's something that we're doing in advance. Um, the idea isn't to walk out of work. The idea is to take a sick day out of work. The idea is to tell your boss, I'm not coming into work on this day. I'm taking a day off and um, I'm doing it to support this this movement. I'm striking on this day. I just want to say that the uh, that this is a very, this is personal for me too. You know, I think it was a big moment in my life where after many um, sort of failed attempts at activism and watching the uh, Bernie Sanders campaign be just completely torpedoed by you know the supposed progressive party of the United States and seeing that the prospects of of any change coming from within the system impossible not going to happen and it's up to us we are ultimately responsible for uh taking an an interest in our world you know i mean uh, want to be uh, philanthropist billionaires are not going to save save us. Elon Musk is not going to solve climate change. You know, the people in power don't even really understand how bad the problem is because they don't experience it. Like people like Jeff Bezos and uh, Jeff, good old Jeff. I, I had this is personal for me. I actually uh, gave a speech at Jeff Bezos's house calling for a general strike with uh, Chris Smalls and his uh, Congress of Essential Workers. And this is something I could, you know, the powder keg is is burning and is ready to explode at any minute. I could really go off and off about this. I I yelled for twenty minutes about this, and and it, it's just something that I'm I'm evangelical about because it's one of the only things we can really do. It's one of the only things we can do to shift things. There's the the prospects of like an armed revolt against the, you know, militarized technical police state. It's ridiculous. 
And it's, it's it, you know, there, we're not going to, it's not going to happen like that. There's not going to be a smooth transition, you know, there, in, in a situation like that, that there's very little that we can actually do to affect change. Policy and government are not going to fucking work. Our political processes are completely compromised, completely hijacked. The influence of money has just completely put up endless walls around the, the, the ability for working people to have a voice at all. We don't have a democracy and we have to assert our part in this economy, in this system. And a general strike is the way to do that. And be, because and it's brilliant. It's genius. It's not like it doesn't require some great expenditure. It's just like stay home, play with your kids, you know, take back your life, take back your time that these people, these employers completely unwilling because they're they're tethered to the same system have stolen our best years. They've stolen our dreams. They've stolen, uh, you know, the, the wonders of the world from us that we should all be able to explore and experience. They've taken so much from us. How many of us have missed our, our children's first steps? How many of us have, have just lost years of our lives doing things we don't want to do for a system that literally does, we just don't have to. You know, we, we, don't, we don't need to slave and work and squeeze hours of our, of our lives uh, into, into this, this machine to meet our basic needs. And we just, we have an autonomous, almost an automated production economy that we don't need people to be working this way. The, the only reason people are working 80 hours a week is because their jobs aren't paying them enough to live. The only reason people have, you know, three, four different jobs in a gig economy is because corporations have, have decided that enough is that they don't have enough, that, that their obsessive lust for more profit and more profit. And it's not just something as simple as greed. It's a, it's a totally enmeshed systemic clusterfuck that all these companies are tied to the same wheels of profit that, you know, like Amanda said, we're, we're all oppressed here. We're all oppressed by this system. And, and it really like the, the working class, the rich, we're all uh, in the same boiling pot that climate change, which is the consequence of this uh, mode of production, this machine of business of producing all this crap and all this activity and commutes and all of this, these totally interconnected systems that are driving the earth to its, its extinction, everybody is affected by this. This is not just an issue of working class versus upper class. This is everybody. But, you know, we're at the point where the people who have the true power don't even really understand the problems because they don't experience them. And they think, oh, the, the system works. It works for me. Hey, I, I can do this. This works for me. So we as, as working class people, as people on, on the other side, on the bottom, need to really say, okay, it's our responsibility. We need to stand up and speak up for this. So I support y'all. I support what you're trying to do. I really do. And a vital point that you made in that um, elaboration is the fact that, as you said, it doesn't require a large expenditure of anyone's energy or time. Yes, it does require a significant amount of organization in order to make it effective. And so that when you do strike, you aren't left without a job, without resources, without what you need to get through day-to-day -day life. That is a fact. But the thing that I love the most, the most genius thing about this, as you said, is that all you literally have to do, and I wrote this word for word in the first the first realization I had about this is stay at home. I mean, I, I wonder what the, the, the people who are still ranting, occupy, occupy are thinking like the Marxists, you know, like, and like Karl Marx himself, like, what would he think about this? Would he even go as far to say, why didn't I think about that? We don't have to go and make a violent movement and risk people's lives and clutter the streets and just, and just give the establishment uh, establishment more fuel for their fire and more fuel for their propaganda against people who are uprising. We literally just have to stay at home. They can't arrest you for that. They can't arrest you for not getting up and getting in your car and driving to work tomorrow morning. They can't do anything about that. You can strike and make a difference, even if it's just for one day, if it's a PTO, if it's a sick day, whatever. Um, my daughter, one of my daughters, um, she organized a very small a little faction of people at her workplace at the restaurant that she works at and they're going to strike for three days and she's like but it's for 10 days mom and i'm like it doesn't matter every little bit of it counts that matters 10 days is a lot of days that matters absolutely matters Man. i i i was gonna say i actually the idea was seated in my head and i actually have a video of this of this this awesome like drunk punk rock redneck dude telling me this story he's like we got the power working people have the power he's like he was talking about that eclipse years ago there was this big eclipse and everybody took off like three minutes or whatever to watch it yeah and the pro the corporate profits uh, they lost billions of dollars for several minutes in three minutes they lost billions of dollars and I, i've i've uh i've you know failed 
failed to organize strikes at workplaces and on farms and things like that when people were being exploited. And it's very simple. They need us way more than we need them. That, oh, you know, can if, I please if, echo you? They can't exist without us. We give them the power they have. We're giving them the power. Why don't we take it back? I can't wrap my head around it. I know why. We all know why. Stockholm syndrome, you need to survive, can't lose your job, people depending on you. But we have given them the power that they're exacting against us. So uh, again, yes, general strike. And I lost my train of thought a moment ago, but the point I was trying to make is this is the most accessible uh, participation that I've seen so far in my historical uh, reading and research. Anyone can participate in this. You just don't go to work. You just don't do it. Thank I, have a, you. I have a quick question for you, for you guys as well. How does that work if if uh, if you get protection for the workers essentially and, and they can't get fired? What what kind of process is that, or what what do you have to do um, in order for the workers essentially to be protected from losing their jobs uh, when they go on this kind of strike? Like what what mechanism is that exactly? You can't always protect the worker from being fired from their job in the society that we have built right now. I think realistically, you can't completely protect the worker. Even if the worker says, this is my sick day, I, I'm taking this day off, or if you fake sick, or if you say that this day is the day that you're you're taking a day off of leave, um, you can't always protect that. But Spartacus. you also... <laughs> You need to do something about you consistently losing those rights. We we have mutual aid funds and stuff like that. We're, we're looking into, we're trying to connect with other unions, with other funds. If people do lose their job, we want to help them as much as we want. We're also giving them the information on how not to lose your job. Don't just walk out on the day of, give your boss a heads up, stuff like that. And also with the mutual aid yeah. funds, like here are the resources local to you. Yeah. Um, for what you need or how you can get financial uh, support or medical support um, as you are not getting paid. Because for people, like I personally am an independent contractor. Um, my hours are all over the place. So for me, not working on October the 15th wouldn't necessarily change uh, the, the way that uh, I would be handling uh, my workplace, but for everyone else, that is completely different. And so we have been trying to figure out, okay, so how do we strategize this to, to work for people who don't work full-time, do work full-time, um, who are gig workers, and there's no set one way to do it. And we acknowledge that going into it, and we acknowledge that there will always be some risk involved. But there was, there was risk involved at the beginning. Like no one was ever safe prior to, to yeah, the, exactly. the talks. Right, right. <laughs> you, have to, you have to realize that. You have to step back and, and look at the big picture and remember, remind yourself, the reason that you're doing this is because you have to worry about losing your job for asking for a day off. Like, you know? I've so. grown up being taught that I am expendable, that if I walked out today, someone that my boss could could hire someone the following day. And I feel like that's the kind of mindset that we go into with this, that people think that their position is so fragile when it's really not as fragile as they think. Especially with people over the course of this pandemic walking out and businesses struggling to rehire those people and realizing that in order to retain their employees, they have to treat them better. Right, right. I can't imagine that, you know, all of a sudden on October 15th, every single employer in the nation is just going to adopt these things. Although, I mean, I think the cause is very worthy and uh, I think we should do everything we can to move this direction for certain. Um, I mean, would you, you know, possibly move into stages where you start, you know, trying to negotiate with employers or is this like, these are your demands and we're going to, uh, you know, hold out for this or, or nothing at all? Or kind of what, what are your views also on like kind of what happens after the strike and things like that? And, and you know, how much you're uh, going to do with, as far as like negotiating with, uh, you know, employers and corporations and things like that afterwards? As an organization, we are not flexible with the demands that we have. If someone who was a participant wanted to talk to their employer directly and negotiate on their behalf, um, we are not going to hinder that process. But as we are, these demands that we have spent weeks and months of time putting the energy and the effort into to 
determine what it is we are resisting for, we, we are not flexible on that. And um, we're going to uh, continue to pursue those demands going forward um, for future events as well. So that's a, that's a good so strike and strike and strike again, essentially you do it as many times as it takes. Right. So I, th I think that's a good segue point. Um, if you can just lay out the demands, what, what are you demanding? What are you asking for? Yeah. And maybe we could discuss a little bit, uh, you know, of each of them after that too. I'd kind of be curious to, you know, to go into a little more depth, but yeah, go for it. What are the demands? Sure. Adequate wages and hours, accessible healthcare, acceptable leave, fair taxes, decent workplaces, ethical environmental action, affordable housing, cost-effective education, equitable corporate regulations, representative government. So the original demands that were listed was a $20 minimum wage, a four-day work week, 25% corporate tax, and 12 weeks paid maternity leave. Um, there were two more that were healthcare and environmental regulation, but those were not very, they were not as specific. So we have expanded that list to include adequate wages and hours that, and when we say adequate, we mean adequate according to the job that is being worked. We want the minimum wage to be $25 instead of 20 because we are patterning it off of the rate of inflation as it is supposed to be. Um, mm -hmm. Right now, uh, minimum wage is inconsistent across states, across the board. Um, minimum wage where I am is like seven twenty-five, and knowing that minimum wage should be uh, higher than what my current salary is is very frustrating to think about. Twenty-five dollars over time, okay. not over immediately. Time. Okay. Not in the immediate. That is something that we do stress that that we want to reach. Um, our second uh, demand is accessible health care. We are very much in favor of having uh, health care no longer being privatized. It is a catastrophic hindrance the way our health care system is set up. And I have felt that personally, um, just the, the rate of devastation that healthcare has had. So um, we want Medicare for all to be passed and for no exceptions or loopholes for persons with disabilities or pre-existing conditions. The next one is uh, acceptable leave. And uh, this is not just parental leave, but the minimum required paid holidays off. Um, we are demanding a minimum of 16 weeks paid parental leave for both parents or domestic partners for the birth of a child or an adoption, and a minimum of eight paid holidays off uh, the year uh, to be used on different days of the calendar year. Ethical environmental action. The demand that we are asking for is that they commit to the economic policy um, that the U.S. Uh, becomes cost effectively 100% uh, renewable by 2030 um, with stricter, stricter regulations on water waste contamination and an end to environmental racism in the United States. And we stress environmental racism because we know that uh, most of the detrimental effects that corporations have on the environment affects lower income communities. And typically the people who reside in lower income communities are people of color. That's absolutely right. Following that one uh, is fair taxes, um, specifically a capital gains tax on individuals whose annual income exceeds 10 million to a rate of 52% and a 7.8 NIIT rate for a total rate of 59.8% tax on people who make an income of 10 million. That's, is that an income tax or is that a wealth tax? It's not directly on their income. It is, yeah, net investment income tax. Gotcha. So on your net investment. And did we, did we say number five also, the cost-effective education? Um, that one is very straightforward. Um, we want for public education to be free. Decent workplaces, um, which is better regulated policy for how employees are treated in the workplace. Affordable housing. Um, I wish I could pull that up so that I could go more into detail about that because I'm very passionate about affordable housing and representative government. Very good. All things that we're obviously very much in dire need of in this society. So this this is the big this is really the big thing that I wanted to to sort of talk about because I I I'm all I'm all for 
the intention of a general strike, I think it's it's the move. I think it's what what working class people need to do to put their weight on the scale, to tip things, to reorganize things, to realign things with an equitable arrangement because we don't have a democratic arrangement. We don't have democratic political processes and we need to just smash that thought altogether. And the general strike, I think, is the way to do that. So the, the issue that I have with this, though, is that these demands, I think they're great demands. I think they would be great 10, 15 years ago. But in this moment where we're in a mass extinction event, we're in a climate crisis, we're in a global pandemic. I mean, there is a looming crisis of, of unemployment that we're in an unemployment crisis right now. We're in a Great Depression. I don't think these demands go even close to far enough to really meeting our needs, to really uh, addressing uh, what workers need to be pushing for in this moment, which is a completely transformed view of work in the 21st century. That, I mean, as it stands right now, more and more jobs are being automated every day, and they should be. The problem is that th this paradigm that we have to work to earn our right to live is an antiquated attitude from an era where you need to work or we don't make enough to eat. We produce an astounding abundance of everything. We, have, we produce enough food, and 50% of it is wasted. There are many, 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 many more houses than there are homeless people. And we have all we need, and it is radically being hoarded right now. So we don't need people working. We need people working less. We don't need uh, more to a more equitable and just and fair economic system. We need to dratic, drastically scale back our activity and promote something called degrowth, which is a, which is degrowing our economy and demarketizing our economy. And I mean that's it. Like I, I just feel like if we if we make any changes that immediately make our lives better, that's good. But we're on track to absolute societal destruction on a scale never before seen before. And many crises, I mean, the unemployment crisis that technological unemployment is gonna bring is gonna be astounding. And if we still have this paradigm where we have to earn our right to live, we're fucked. I'm sorry, we're just fucked. So I think workers really need to get serious and educated about what is possible and what we really need to be demanding for as a society, not safer slavery. And I said this in the general, in the speech that I made, I said, we don't want safer slavery. We don't want $2 more an hour. We don't want PPE and time off and leave and healthcare. We want a completely transformed social order, a system that is actually fair, that is actually sustainable. I think just saying we need to be tw uh, green energy by, by 2030, not good enough because it's not just an energy problem. It's not just transportation. It's the whole way we live. It's the whole system. And I think the way we work, the way that we are scraping activity out of the earth is a big problem. Say we need, saying we need fair representative uh, democracy not can't exist can't happen in the system as it is when capital is king when the market is truly the ruler of this world it doesn't matter if we have fair uh you know if we have representational democracy it doesn't matter if we have more representation in democracy we need a completely transformed system we need worker ownership of corporations we need to absolutely shift the uh the power structure that capital has that the people who own the capital uh, own the world and make all the decisions and are killing it literally not killing it oh they're killing it. they're making a lot of fucking money but they're literally <laughs> killing the planet at our expense and i think that it's a very sober thing for workers movements to realize one we don't have to be working like this we don't have to be and we need to be demanding not just a few a few more dollars an hour uh, uh you know more equitable conditions where our lives are being stolen from us in a position that is going to kill the entire earth for everybody there's no workers rights if there's no earth to live on you know that and that's the bottom line um and, and i just want to come in uh, really quickly and then uh, we'll let rosie talk for sure um and, and kind of sweep up the pieces there because for some people listening i'm sure that you've shattered hopes and dreams people that were um like oh, but the labor movement the the journal strike that's gonna that's gonna do things you know that's gonna fix it that's gonna make everything okay um but it, but it 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 can if it goes far enough, uh, as you were saying. I, I just want to reiterate at this point, because I think it's vital at this point to to restate that it is worth doing for the fact, if nothing else, that we are asserting, we are projecting our voice collectively. We're also exemplifying that a critical mass can organize in solidarity, which is something else that, as I said earlier, Americans have not witnessed. Uh, if ever, but if ever, it was a very long time ago for nefarious reasons. Um, uh, and then, and then, thirdly, 
it will go far enough, I have faith, it will go far enough to make some immediate changes, to change some things in people's lives immediately, that if nothing else will give momentum to the greater movement and the transition that we're trying to manifest, uh, and that we move away from the monetary uh, socioeconomic system so that we can actually experience these things that are written in front of us on this demand sheet in a way that they cannot ever be messed with again. Uh, essentially to say, and as Marlowe was uh, essentially saying, within the capitalist system, corruption is inherent. It doesn't matter what arm of the system you're speaking to, if it's politics, if it's housing, if it's the food industry, whatever it is, you can ask for things, but it's like taking an Oliver Twist approach, like, please give me some more kind of thing, because that's all you're going to get from from trying to negotiate with psychopaths and narcissists who have conditioned themselves to, 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 to believe that they deserve to be in the power structures that, that, that have been built up around them. And again, just to restate what I said earlier, is that we are giving these people the power they're holding over us. The general strike, again, is another valid approach. It's not defeated right out the door because if nothing else, we are showing them that we realize what has always been elusive for some reason throughout the decades in America, um, and that's we are their source of power. We are their source of income. We are the ones who make the money for them that hold that uphold their power structures. And if we simply withdraw our labor, then they will have nothing to make money with. And without that money in a monetary system, you won't have power. They won't have power. Uh, so, so yeah, just to sum all of that up, and, and again, just to say we're not trying to throw a wrecking ball through the window, uh, but um, because it, it's all valid, but, uh, but, but we do really have to take it further at some point. I'd kind of like to add a couple of things on that too, just real quick. So I think this is a good example of uh, what you would call the Overton window, right? Essentially, the the accept, acceptable range of discussion, right, within you know a, a people or society or something like that. What how far you can go with acceptable ideas, right? And and considering where we are in the United States, uh, you know the demands that the that the labor movement is making are. They're basically just on the, you know, on they're within that Overton window, but they're kind of trying to push it a little bit further in some ways, you know, and the things that we talk about a lot on this show, they're pretty far outside of the Overton window, I think a lot of people don't talk a lot about a lot of the social systems and structures, um, you know, that we talk about on this show, um, on a regular basis, they, you know, they, they're not aware that they exist. Um, and they're not really too informed about how things like that would operate the economics behind those sort of situations and things like that, which is, you know, one of the purposes of this show, it's to kind of get those sort of ideas out there, expand that conversation, you know, expand the Overton window, uh, to where you think ideas like this do become more of an acceptable topic, essentially, right? And I think another thing that kind of has to happen too is, is, uh, and also one of our goals is to start demonstrating uh, the types of systems and structures uh, that we talk about on this show and that we advocate, you know, uh, I mean, essentially like worker owned cooperatives and self-sustaining communities, uh, you know, agriculture, local production of agriculture and uh, other goods through automation, uh, open source products, all these all these sorts of things, you know, these are all things that we talk about and, and we want to start building and, you know, implementing and developing. And the more I think we do that, the more we'll be able to influence the the Overton window essentially in this discourse this topic and head a little bit past uh you know some of some of the things I think I think a lot of these demands are very like I said essential um but uh, eventually we'd like to go beyond them too we'd like to really create resilient systems and sustainable communities where people don't have to work 40 or 35 hours a week you know I mean work eventually we'd like to see situations where work is optional and people you know and we can get by working 10 15 20 hours a week maybe and a lot of the positions that were there before are now automated and, and things like that. So those are the things we kind of aspire to in the long term and we want to talk about. And uh, and we see, I think a lot of things like this, like these strike and, and these sort of conversations is evolving eventually towards things like that, you know, and, and I think that that's just kind of an important aside to kind of throw out there and, and discuss a little bit kind of as, as we wrap things up. And th those that's kind of our viewpoint, a lot of the 
of a lot of the things like in this subject in this show. So just wanted to get that out there and get you guys' opinions and thoughts on that as well. I'd like to say another another point of clarification in my response and that first of all, I would just like to assert a central principle of solidarity, that I have solidarity for any action that anyone wants to take to make the world a better place and I will support it. I will stand by it. I will uh, use my voice to uh, project it and to do everything that I can to help make that happen because I want the world to be a better place. I want workers to be treated better. I want, I, I don't just want to hold out for, you know, some, uh, you know, larger scale change. I, I want things to be better right now and I want them to be better continually. And I think in, cra in thinking about crafting uh, demands for uh, something like this as a strike, which is a demand, you know, it's not a, it's not a negotiation, you know, it's not, it's, it, I think a lot of these demands seem kind of like collective bargaining. They see, it seems like they're, They've been written to be uh, within the span of what is, you know, quote, acceptable when even asking for a minimum wage from 10 years ago, adjusted for inflation is to the to the minds of these people. That is a radical change. So I think if no matter what you say, they're going to say, oh, they, these are dangerous radicals and they're out of touch with reality and they're lazy and they're asking for too much. I think we really should be asking because it's not an ask. It's saying you were saying, OK, you need to do this. We need to have this in our lives. And I don't, I don't think we should just uh, say, like like Matt was saying, the Overton window, we can't just say, we need to abolish money and everything is owned by everybody. But I think there are tangible, clear, uh, progressive steps and moves that can be implemented that will set things in motion, truly, instead of just saying, okay, you give us 20, 20 or 15 now, and then 20, and then 25, because they're going to backtrack on all that shit. Because the way that the system works, it, it is built to recuperate. It is built to stop those things from happening and to winnow down demands and compromises. And I just think, it's especially- It's built to sustain that inequality gap. It just is. So one more thing to sort of express in uh, approaching making demands and in crafting uh, an agenda is that we have to think systemically. Uh, we can't just think about a bunch of things we would like to have that would make life better or- think about uh, pieces of the system that we would want taken apart because they function as a whole. They're all connected to each other. So to say we want Medicare for all right now without understanding that it's intimately tied to so many other aspects of the system, like debt, like medical debt is a driver, I'm sure, of military recruitment <laughs> or the central reason that healthcare itself is tied to our employer because if we don't depend on shitty jobs for healthcare which is a, a huge liability that we could get sick and die or get so deep into medical debt that we kill ourselves because that's a thing here in America, the richest nation in the world. There would be massive walkouts. People wouldn't submit to work like this. So we have to understand both our power that makes them need to enforce work on us in this coercive way, but also we have to understand that if we want to make demands, we have to do it in a systemic way. That really goes for the root and understands how connected all of these aspects are around them. So even if we are just trying to get something like healthcare, we have to bake in provisions for basically minimizing the job losses in the insurance industry because those are people, you know, with with uh, children to feed and and uh, mortgages to pay and all that self and all that within themselves. But it all feeds into itself. And I think when you really try to focus on where do you change it and what are the lever points, you realize that it's all interconnected and that you can't move one without moving the whole game piece. So it's actually more likely for us to demand a deeper systemic change or, you know, putting our weight onto uh, making changes in that direction than it is for us to get Mark Zuckerberg to pay the corporate tax rate from 1975 or to get us to get the, the minimum wage from 10 years ago. We are saying this is what needs to happen for life to go on. So I think we should, we need to go big. We need to go big with it. We can't go small or we fall. I really do want to welcome and thank you all for your criticism because honestly, like this is a new movement. We only started like uh, three months ago, right? And like JJ said, it was a mess in the beginning, but what really formed it was the criticism. What formed it was every day, new people were coming in, giving their opinions, giving their perspectives and giving what they think we should do to improve. If it wasn't for long thought out discussions like that, we wouldn't be where we are now. Um, it was truly a beautiful thing, honestly, to see so many strangers just come into the Discord and then all of a sudden, oh, there's people of experience here. There's people of experience doing research. There's people, there's uh, somebody who has manager experience that's willing to just lead us for a little bit. That's, that's awesome. That's incredible. 
So criticism is really what made us. That that is what we are. And I I will I will always welcome that. Honestly, there you you can't offend us at this point. It's it's been so long. But um, <laughs> anyways, uh, I do think that our demands, uh, like uh, you were saying with the window, um, you were saying earlier, what was that Overton window? That is what we are sort of thinking too. Like we're just on the edge. We are uh, at the imagining. Not everybody um, can open their minds entirely to some more what you would call radical ideas. Some of our demands, like for example, I don't think we mentioned this earlier, but um, our cost-effective education demand includes canceling all student loan debt. That's that's huge. That would change people's lives. Uh, getting up to a twenty-five dollar minimum wage that that is inconceivable to some people. When I said that to my mother-in-law, $25 an hour, she just, she laughed, you know? And that's what a lot of people will do to these sort of things. So I like to think of ourselves as we're an umbrella and that's what a lot of these organizations end up being. That umbrella might be a little bit too wide in some people's opinions, but it needs to be wide to include the people that we need help from. We need support from as many people as we can get support from. And we need different people's perspectives. I also want to thank you guys so much for for being willing and open to have this conversation with us. Um, it's actually very energizing to, to hear people directly speak about how passionate they are about this thing, because we, I don't think like a week goes by when we don't have someone who pops up and says, hey, this is impossible. This is not going to work. Yeah. Uh, this is a fool's errand. Every single <laughs> day we get that. And we just kind of have to like trundle through like the people who continue to stick it out know that this is a long game. I think a lot of people who come in initially kind of come in with a lot of passion and enthusiasm and they kind of expect a lot of radical change to be very loud and visible when really a lot of the, the work that goes into it is it will never be seen. And uh, we also have to acknowledge that there is some level of privilege to be able to put in the time to do something like this. Like there are people right now who are working like 60 hours a week who are dying of exhaustion, who can't commit themselves to something like this. And so we are, the people who are doing this are working for those people and are continually trying to, to work to the benefit of the people who can't do this. And uh, we have to, to remain open-minded that like to have the education to understand how we got here and to have the, the time to, to work on talking with people and distributing flyers and making websites and all that. Those are things that we have limited supply of. So when people come in and offer criticism but not help, that is part of what is keeping us from getting where we want to be. Well, I'm definitely down to help if if that's if that's something that's needed. I would like to Join be in talks and, and to <laughs> get help, in the server. Help with these things. <laughs> yeah, how how does that work? If 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 anybody here that's listening to this would is interested in helping out too, how do we go about the, doing that? Um, is there a website or how do we get on the Discord server? Do we need an invite for that or anything or? Uh, yeah. So we have our website. It is labormovementx.org. The X is actually for the Roman numeral symbol 10 uh, for our 10 demands and the 10th month in which we are protesting. And uh, they can also reach out to us uh, via our social media, uh, our Twitter, Labor Movement X. Um, our Discord server link is available on our website and also mm -hmm. on our, all of our social media pages. And if anyone wants to talk, contact us via email, um, they can either reach out to labormovementx at gmail.org, at gmail.com, or uh, for media and press, they can reach out to labormovementxpr21 at gmail.com. To get the Discord invite uh, on the website, you need to go and click on the red box that says join the movement. And then from there, click on the thing. It's on the left of the screen. It says request to join the Discord. It's under organize in your state. Um, it's right there. In the next uh, version of the website, we do want the Discord ser server invite to just be like the first thing that you see because we need as many people as we need. We need everybody's help. But that is how you how you get to the Discord server. Join the movement and then request to join Discord. 
So to close us out here, I'd kind of like to um, give the both of you uh, another platform here to talk about uh, what keeps you going, what keeps you trundling through this difficult, uh, impossible work, you know, and, and where do you, uh, where do you see this taking you? Where, where is the limit? Where is the direction that we want to, that you want to go that, uh, workers, what is the, what is the bright future for workers and what is the power that, that workers have? Oh, I'll, I'll go. I guess. Cause I'm, I'm still thinking about mine. <laughs> okay. Um, every day I wake up, I do my little morning routine and I log into the discord and I scroll through it. And, you know, even through all of the drama, like it is difficult working with people that sort of just happens in any sort of volunteer organization. I think it's difficult to work with people, but even when it's starting to get rough, like, you know, we're unpaid, we're basically working part-time positions as a lead organization, as lead organizers. And even through all of that, if you just take a scroll through the people that are still talking, the the inspiration that they have, uh, how much they want to help and how much they, they need this, they need something to change. That that cheers me on, personally. Um, from For me personally, uh, I think that this has been a fantastic opportunity just to gain experience, honestly. I, I've done volunteer work in the past on a local level, but I've never been part of something like this. I'm just a graphic designer, you know? I'm just somebody who does artwork. That's what I am and what I do in my life. But to have the opportunity to be part of something like this and to help organize people, which is something that I found I'm good at. I'm good at just helping organize people to, to do things, to do great things. It's an experience for me, and I am thoroughly enjoying it. I, I should say that. I don't think I pronounced that wrong. I am in, enjoying it at an incredible level. I, I am enjoying organizing. Um, honestly, I, I would say very same, very similar to that. Um, I have felt very personally like the hurt and the pain that comes from not having adequate housing and not having adequate income. And so whenever I see someone else talk about the the ways in which they struggle at the workplace, I it resonates with me. And I am very exhausted by seeing that over and over again, but I'm very energized by what I'm doing here, which is uh, reaching out to people and discussing these openly and interestingly and seeing people like the, the way their perspective changes when they realize that like things not only could be different but are already different elsewhere um and so if if i could work towards anything it's seeing that uh the the demands that we reach uh are reached not just in my lifetime but like in the in the immediate term um I hold no delusions to how that process happens, but I hold firm to it because the alternative is too difficult as it is. It's, it's killing people. Like people are dying. Yes, indeed. The system is murderous, and that's why I root you ladies on and the movement uh, as a whole. And again, uh, state this is worth doing. It will be impactful. And and the hope is ideally that we pick up momentum and carry it in the right direction far enough to eradicate the arms of the system that are oppressing and quite literally killing people day in and day out. Uh, it's so, so refreshing. And, and like you said, energizing to hear you ladies speak so passionately about it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you from myself personally. And I'm sure from the 98, 99%, anyone who's not in that 1% for doing the work and making the sacrifices that you have. Yeah, I just want to thank say you. thank you as well and, and extend some gratitude and to say, Rosie, you know, you're not just a graphic designer and JJ, I don't know what you do exactly, but <laughs> none of us are just that, you know, we're not just workers. That's the whole point. I think for me is like, we're not just laborers, you know, the labor movement, I think it, it's, it's a chance to, to gain, regain our humanity and have a human movement truly, because we're just, like you said at the beginning, we're, we're expendable to these systems. We are completely expendable to them. And that's the way that they've treated all of life. And, and it's, it's just tragic to me that so many people 
that so many people have no idea what their own power is, their own potential is. And that's the, that's the opportunity that a strike is for people to regain their power. And I think that, that political activism doesn't just come from, uh, people who are educated or who have studied it, that like educated people, people who are politically educated are not necessarily going to be involved. And I, I, I find that participation is how people get involved. Participating in politics is how they grow political awareness. And so the inspiration, the hope that I have in movements like this is that all the people who are involved are learning and growing and getting stronger and getting smarter and connecting with each other and creating real networks of support. That's really, no matter what, any any individual demand or or uh, goal or point to work toward is that's really like the the sustaining power in this is is working people realizing their power realizing their true humanity and dignity and working together to make to gain power to gain power in this world because we don't we don't as we, as it stands because we're all alone we're all atomized we're all tired we're all worn out we're all we've all just been used up. By this system and and just it doesn't put anything back into us so i i just uh, uh extend i just like to, to to end on a note of solidarity there and so and uh mutual support and i would like to get involved i would like to help more i would like to uh help organize and help uh make this as good as i can help make it to contribute in my own way thank, thank you. you we need you we need we do we need <laughs> i second that I second that because this isn't going to happen in one day or 10 days. Like, as you said, uh, JJ, this is a long game. So it's not like you just have between now and the 10th listeners. It's not like you just have between now and the 10th to get involved. This is going to take everyone for an indefinite amount of time in order to manifest, but it is worth it. We are uh, hoping to schedule an event on uh, Black Friday as well. That is mm -hmm. the next event that we are uh, planning for, and we are planning to continue to ramp up events because next year is midterm elections. That's going to be <laughs> that's going to be a time. So, so we the the work is just ahead of us. I think that's kind of one the one the one point you know um, in in a demand that if we don't demand democracy, real democracy, and an end to the corporate control over our legislative processes and the ability for money in power money to equal power then even if we get a, you know a demand here a demand there a gain here a gain here the system will work will work its fingers into all of them and undo everything and bring things back and continue to set things back because things are not getting better as productivity goes up wages decline you know health declines all of these life all the life systems of our planet and then our people are declining because the corporate system wants more and more and more and more and all people serve to gain from its abolition total abolition and from the democratization of every aspect of our life for people to be able to take charge for people to be able to organize our own life no reform only abolition and if anybody takes anything away from this i think i hope it's 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 the the knowledge that and yes, it's been said over and over throughout the decades, but the power rests with the people. And to add to that, corporations can't rule what they cannot control. Take control back. Don't go to work. Look these people up, go to their website, talk to your neighbors, talk to your coworkers, talk to the people that work in the building next to you, form mutual aids, organize, learn, get involved. Otherwise, you're just allowing all of this to happen. I, I said it, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And just realize what is truly possible that we don't need to work like this. We don't, I mean, so many people really think they have to go to work every day or the whole system is gonna collapse. The real life system of the earth is gonna collapse if we don't make radical changes. But if, you know, Wall Street's profits drop down to zero, the world is going to be fine you know the earth is actually going to be a lot healthier so it's like we don't need to work in this way when we have the we have workers seizing the true means of production it would entail an end to work as we know it and it's like that's that's something to work toward we don't have to work like this we don't have to live like this we really don't and that's not a utopian dream that's just a pure realignment of what is actually possible what is actually it should be inevitable 
that you know even in the 1900s people talking about work and the uh, advancements in machines they were saying oh yeah people will be working like 10 hours a day you know in like 1800 they're like yeah eventually we'll be working that way and if you look at graphs of productivity and and going up and worker pay going down you see that it's true we should be working way less for way more we should all have we should all have so much more that we are worth more we're worth more than the crumbs so so that that's that's my spirit is is don't ask for for a crumb ask for everything that is your birthright that is the commons of this earth very nice very nice anything else you'd like to say say it you have a platform i never saw myself doing if you asked me this last year if i would take a leadership position in a grassroots organization uh like this i would not have I, I wouldn't have like imagined it but at the same time with last year being 2020 and having gone through the experiences of the the george floyd protests and marches that took place in the summer of 2020 um it, it has definitely been i i can't say personally an eye-opening experience because i have always like seen the the brunt of how institutions hurt uh marginalized communities, but I am definitely uh, re-energized by how much people are no longer willing to, to put up with it and uh, the lengths that people will go, not to encourage anything extreme or dangerous, but to to really say no to, to the system that's in place and, and deciding to no longer participate in it. And that's something that uh, I am trying to do more and more uh, personally. I'm trying to find there was and a that's quote beautiful. To uh, I was reading an article about uh, it was written at early early when things were shutting down at the pandemic, and um, there was a quote in it by Lauren Jacobs, who is a union leader, and she asked, um, "One has to do the same resisting that we work for." with our members on to overcome, not letting fear rule them. How do you react when change is coming? And are we wedded to the institutions we've criticized and struggled against? And so that sort of deconditioning process of recognizing that like, we're so attached to these institutions that we can't even realize that they need to be changed fundamentally uh, is something that I think that we are trying to address, not um, on top of uh, uh, planning this strike. Well said. I, I can't say that I have anything as inspiring for why I got involved with all of this, honestly. Um, I came in a bit of a dark horse. I, I saw the flyer, just like a lot of other people did. Um, I didn't... I did not research it out of wanting to be an activist. I researched it out of wanting to be in the drama. <laughs> I wanted to be in that room and I wanted to know who are these people? Who are these people that are demanding these things? Uh, who are they that they have the right to do that? And who, what is the mess that is transpiring over there? So I joined and it was fun. Um, but I saw that there was work that needed to be done. And I saw that I could knit I could take those responsibilities up. Nobody else was taking them up. There was just a whole bunch of work in it, like a back room, for example. And I just took that work and I started doing it. And then, I don't know, four weeks later, I looked back and I said, am I an activist? And somebody said, yeah, you're an activist. And I said, what? I'm an activist? What do you Congratulations. Mean? <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. Welcome, Ward. Uh, it's, it's strange. I'm... I'm not a political person. Like I, I am. Don't get me wrong. Like I try to educate myself in the decisions that I make every single day. But this is truly something for all of us, and we need everybody's help. Please get involved. So please support this movement. Share. Don't go to work on the fifteenth, and uh, keep a lookout for our own complimentary list of demands for movement building towards larger systemic shifts that we're going to be working on and trying to release right around that time. As always, like, comment, share, subscribe, and donate to our Patreon. We are also working to support ourselves through this work and want to keep doing more. So, Well, thank you guys so much. This was, this was good. This was great. Yeah. Hearing you well, guys at the beginning, that was, uh, we don't hear praise very often, you know? It's sort of like you hear the criticism and uh, once the criticism stops, you're sort of like, maybe am I doing the right thing now?
are we doing the good things now? But you don't get praise very often. I often uh, equate it to stepping out in front of a firing squad. You're putting yourself in front of a firing squad when you challenge the structures of this system and the status quo and just the way things have been do done for, what, 245 years now? Uh, you're really just asking for it. So, uh, yeah, we totally uh, resonate with you there. We we cherish every little encouragement that we get through our uh, various platforms. And and uh, thankfully, knock on wood, we have began getting more encouragement than, you know, you stupid communists, you know, um, than, than that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely fuel that keeps us going. But um, no, I highly commend the two of you. You seem both to be very young. And again, um, being female, you know, that adding to the, the historical uh, female labor movement. And uh, I just really hope to see you all be spoken highly of one day in the future as uh, people who made history, because you're certainly putting yourself out there and deserve that recognition. Uh, an activist to somebody in history. What a, what a mind bender. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, you should watch uh, Peter Joseph Into Reflections. There's actually, uh, his movie's actually premised on that, um, on that concept as if we're already living in the future and the people are looking back and critiquing how we live now and not being able to understand why we ever did it that way. And so you ladies come to mind as, as people that would have been brought up at that point in the future. You know, like, thank goodness for these people and for that movement, you know. I'm already thinking about how, like, 20 years from now, when I have, like, younger generations, and they're gonna ask me, like, so what really went down in 2020? I'm like, so much, <laughs> so much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> Indeed. It was uh, cataclysmic. If this year wasn't enough to radicalize everyone to the notion that nobody is in control of this thing, I don't know what will. The market crashed and the Fed printed up $3.5 trillion in fake money and injected it straight into the stock market while working people got $1,200, maybe. The ruling class told us who had the power when COVID broke out, not based on who they gave a billion dollar bailout to, it's who they said was essential. So if even just the essential workers stop going out in a deadly pandemic to keep the machine going, it stops. And the whole house of cards, the whole global market will collapse. So we are making history, all of us, whether we're aware of it or not, we keep this system going, we have the power, even if we're gaslit into feeling like the lowest and most powerless pieces in the game, if we all stand up and walk off the board, it's game over because there are more of us than there are of them. And there is no us or them anymore. We are all affected by this. Rich, poor, owners, workers, we're all in the same fire. The house that is burning because of our changing climate, because of, of what we are all doing to this earth when we participate in this system. A general strike is perhaps the most powerful, maybe the only power move we have left to tip the scales of industry and stop the grinding wheel of the market from crushing all life as we know it. It all rests on the downtrodden, the poor, the overworked, the underpaid, the unhoused and uninsured, those who can actually see up close and personal that the system is broken and it's going to blow. We have all the power. We can stop this. We can change the world. And all it takes is taking the day off and proving the system needs us more than we need it. And this moment, as everything else seems hopeless, workers of the world, unite, strike, strike, strike.